Hey everyone and welcome to Almost Cancelled, I am Peter, that is Connor and we are going to talk about Twin Peaks The Return Part 13, full spoilers for the episode as always. So yeah, we're, you know, me and Connor are here, we're going to talk about, you know, just you and I, uh, we're going to talk about <laughs> this episode of Twin Peaks. Oh, we're off to a great start. <laughs> Oh, I decided I was going to do that joke about a minute after I watched it. <laughs> I'm not going to lie, that was. Uh, that was I planned. can tell you've been saving it. Yeah, I had that. I had that locked and cocked and ready to go. Um, <laughs> that's may sound strange, but I actually have more notes for this episode than I've ever had. Uh, mine's up there. I, I, don't, I don't know without counting, but it's up there. Usually, I'm I'm three, maybe three and a half. I am at four and a half pages of notes for this one for some reason i don't know why i can't really point it and go oh there's clearly more stuff there to write down it was just that's where i ended up i just i write mm. and there we go um so yeah we're gonna get into it so this is part 13 and uh so first things first though actually we got a really good comment about last week's episode uh, a little detail that we did not quite catch which i thought was quite good uh, uh dan specifically it's dan's texting uh, Doppelkip, or actually no, it's not when she's texting it's when she's uh, looking up the coordinates towards yeah. the end of the episode um, uh, eagle-eyed commenter noticed that her nails were all painted different colours but there was one that was red and the one that was red if you remember Gordon from a few episodes ago talked about the spirit finger and how that one was the one that meant something Yeah, it was that one interesting, interesting. observation yeah, interesting uh, maybe Leonard lands a bit more credence to the she's actually good and whatever she's doing with Doppelkoop is yeah uh, or maybe it lends credence to the, the opposite I'm not sure but good catch I'll say that uh, so but this episode let's go into this one and there's some yeah. spirit finger action on this one as well later on. I, I think before we had to get into it I think it's safe to say we probably enjoyed this more than last week's uh, oh sure yeah I mean I know I definitely did I just I didn't yeah. want to speak for you with, oh, no. with absolute certainty, but I, I I would agree with that. That said, one of the amazing things I think this episode does is that it actually maybe improves a scene from last week that we weren't as into. Yeah, which is something we thought at the time. I have you know, as a, <laughs> viewed as a larger whole, we said uh, yeah, and I didn't think it would happen this quickly, <laughs> but no, and it's not it's not concrete yet. But certainly, I was it, it got my brain thinking a lot more than last week did. And as a result, I've came to some speculation that makes it, suddenly makes it a lot more fascinating, and you know, we'll get into mm. all that. Um, I will say, I, I don't think I think what's funny about this episode is that from the outset, I don't think it looks like a big one. It, I, I don't think you watch this one and go, "Oh, that was like obviously not a," but even like episode um, eleven, which was it felt quite big when we watched that. I was like, you know, we said that was probably the best one outside of eight. Mm. Right, this one doesn't feel as big as that. But I actually think some of the scenes that don't feel like a big deal feel a lot more important once you start thinking about them and what they're maybe getting at. No, I agree with that. So, so let's, uh, let's get into it. Uh, and, of course, the highlight of the episode is at the end, the, the Roadhouse scene. I'm not going to say what it is yet. Oh, God. <laughs> but we had the best musical... You know what? The only other time in this season that we had an introduction to the band, right? When, when you know, we had the, the guy come up and say, uh, and now the Roadhouse presents... The only time that's happened so far was the Nine Inch Nails. Yes. And we got an introduction to the musical act in this episode, and I thought, oh, it must be a big deal. 
And then it got to the name. And then he said the name, and it took me a split second to process what he just said, and then the guitar <laughs> started playing. I basically did a spit take when I heard that. And then James, who... He, he must clench his balls to to get that sound out. All right, are we just starting at this point here? Apparently we, we, we are. We, like, we, we're, <laughs> we're not burying the lead here. That <laughs> stupid song is back. <laughs> He's not learned a new song in 25 years. <laughs> Do you know what cracked me up most? Obviously, obviously that song is for a very specific scene yeah. in the original show. And I loved how he had two girls as the, singer, the backup yeah, singers. Yeah, yeah, the backup. And I was like, oh, there's not Maddie and not Donna. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it was killing me. Oh, and to go along with this, you know, James has always been cool malarkey that Lynch is pushing now. You know, there's a woman in the crowd who I assume he knows in some capacity. It, it, it seems that way, yeah. Gets very I really emotional. hope so, otherwise this is very strange. Yeah, if this is just her reaction to seeing the, the if, epitome. If just, yeah, the, the song has touched her that deeply. <laughs> the epitome of human machismo that is James Hurley. Like hearing him sing on that stage at that decibel, if that's the reaction that's I mean, admittedly I wanted to cry as well, but I was going to cry for very different reasons. Um Yeah. I'm gonna lie though, I I, I, I was laughing like a madman uh once I got <laughs> I over the shock. So I'd... I I couldn't I couldn't stop. <sighs> oh god. Damn. Lynch, you bastard. He's a madman. He is. He's an absolute madman. There's so much other stuff in this show that I can't begin to like process and I have to think about. But the one thing that truly baffles me <laughs> <laughs> is putting James in that stage and having him sing that damn song. <laughs> oh, uh, Alright, let's get to the meat. We've yeah, the, the, the rest of the actual episode. Although we start with something kind of silly, actually, in a fun way. We... We start at the Lucky Seven Insurance, and we have the uh, the, the train, the the money train, uh, with the Mitchum brothers, the girls, and of course Cooper, uh, and they're you know this this really upbeat music's playing. My favorite part of all this though is they they come you're training into sort of the lobby, the you know the floor that they're all on, yeah. and Anthony uh, just sort of goes up to see what the fuss is about. He looks through his blinds and he sees like them like dancing with Doogie, and he just like. <gasps> It is, he's, he's terrified. It's fantastic. It has, honestly, um, Tom Sizemore's reactions in this episode in general are just all, like... Yeah, no, they're pretty great. They're doing great stuff for me. Him hiding behind the desk throughout this whole section so, he, so the Mitchum brothers don't see him and, you know, want to kill him. <laughs> it was, <laughs> was was great stuff. Um, so, so f- more on this later, but I did notice when they go into the office, uh, Bushnell says, oh, you must have made quite a night of it. And I thought that was curious. I've also caught this as well because of last week. Curious, because of course we had a scene last week with uh, Cooper uh, where he was with Sonny Jim. Playing catch. uh, Playing catch. And this makes it sound like them going out to dinner was the previous night. That's that's the assumption, because even to just to jump ahead a little bit, you know, his wife's like, Hey, when you didn't come home last night. Exactly, um, and there's a lot more in this than Twin Peaks section later on I've got to talk about, but uh, at the very least it seems like that baseball scene uh, might have been before, especially well, given the backyard's not got something in it, <laughs> before. It has uh, to have been before, or it didn't actually happen. And for some reason it was in his head. I don't know why we'd have seen it like that. I think that's reaching. I don't, I don't know it why is. I would... I'm just... I'm just... I mean, I mean, this if is the only other alternative. 
Sure, sure. I, I, I just think it took place before. It's most likely. Or, or they took him out again a second night? I guess. <laughs> no, I, I don't buy that. Yeah, it's weird. But again, we, we talked about how things seem to have been shifted around, but this is this is the first time where it feels like it's actually went, oh wait, no, that feels like something's not lined up now. Yeah, yeah, so, it does. But ultimately, it's just a, a simple little scene of him playing catch with his kid. It's not a big deal. But, I mean, I did notice that I cut that line and went, hmm, what? Yeah. What, what you saying, Bushnell? Um, so, uh, so you get, you get, Bushnell gets some gifts. The Mitchum brothers have brought him some gifts. And Candy, instead of being staring off into space, she's like, giggling like a madman throughout this whole thing. She's she's like, she's dead excited to show him what he's got. And, you know, she's, it's like, she's like a, a showgirl on a, you know, on a game show. Turned up to 11, though. Like, it's, it's not... Yeah, yeah. It's like, it's, it's, it's almost too much, but then she's like, oh, you, here's uh, your, your cufflings, and then it's like, and the keys to your new car! That's the game show part, specifically. Um, and it's like, yeah, it's a BMW, now you, you and Diggy have got matching sets. Uh, so, <laughs> that's, the, that's kind of the opening scene. Uh, of course, Anthony does call Mr. Todd at the conclusion of this scene. Um, and of course, Todd did say to him that if your plan failed, then you would have to kill Doogie yourself. Um, and that's basically just what this scene is reiterating that. And of course, yeah. Todd looks terrified himself. He's obviously worrying about higher up the food chain than Anthony yeah. is. So Clearly. Uh, pretty straightforward. I cannot say that I was not deeply enjoying the train and the gift giving. All of it was delightful. It was. It was wacky fun. It was. Um... So then we went to Dougie's house and we saw kind of the, the sort of a connective tissue here because it, it cuts to uh, Janie E and there's these delivery men and they've got a, a climbing gym for Sonny Jim, which I thought was amusing. Because like, he actually said it like Jim's that. Jim's gym. Yeah. Um, and she's like, wait, what? Courtesy of the Mitchum Brothers. And then she looks over and the BMW is sitting there with a giant red bow on it. Yeah. like, and the car? Yep, that too. Also, Mitchum Brothers. Uh, okay. Um, more on this a little bit later, but again, just this idea that everyone's lives around Cooper are improving immensely because of his yep. presence. Yeah. that's And obviously, yes, Red Bull, of course. Um, and then it cuts to that night, and we see this, this climbing gym. And it's not just a climbing gym. There's a big arc with lights on it, and there's a spotlight. There's a spotlight going around the backyard. Yes. It is the most ridiculous looking thing I think I've ever seen. And there's a dreamlike music playing. Uh, you'll Swan probably, Lake. Uh, Swan Lake, but it's a very dreamlike uh, version. It's very, it's, it's just like the, it's not a xylophone, but it's, it's like, like. a It's like a music box sort of version. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, the, the, you know, no, exactly. Um, it's, it's not, you know, big and grandiose, but it, it makes you feel kind of dreamlike because of yeah. it. Um, kind of. So, and. Again, making everyone's life happier. And Janie says something like, uh, oh, Sonny Jim's on seventh heaven. And, you know, he, he repeats the line like he normally does. And like, hmm, heaven's not all that different to maybe a place you've just been spending time. I mean, it wasn't good, but the idea... That you... the, the idea of an afterlife yeah. of some sort. Yeah, so, again, like, you know, Bushnell's, you know, caught this thing in his company. He's getting gifts. Janie's getting gifts. He's got a new car. Uh, Sonny Jim's got a climbing gym and a very elaborate climbing gym, not just your you know typical old sort of thing. Um, everyone's lives and the Mitchum brothers even they get the money, yeah. they're happy. Like everyone around them, the old women. Yeah, it's, it's it's all good for everyone right now. 
Cooper brings nothing but the, the, the dreams. Like I swear, it, it should have been his face on that gold ball in the, uh, the episode eight. <laughs> Maybe it should have been. Maybe we'll see the sequel, and he has a gold ball. He's a bigger gold ball. Cooper <laughs> <laughs> just has massive gold balls, clearly. <laughs> so, um, so now we cut to Montana. Now. We see Doppelkoop for a couple of episodes since we've seen him, so that was exciting. And then I thought, oh, maybe it wasn't him. Because uh, we speculated last week, you know, so the guy almost got run over with the car going into Twin Peaks. Oh, that was Doppelkoop. And then I thought, no, wait a minute. I'm still under the impression here, at least I think, that all the Twin Peaks stuff is later in the timeline. They're all close to this date, this final date we're building to. Uh, and all the other stuff is a bit earlier. I still think that. So I still think that car going into Twin Peaks was probably still Doppelkoop. Yeah, probably. It still feels a little bit strange. That, again, in the same way that the the catch scene feels like it was out of place. That one does feel a bit strange to me as well. It feels like if, if we're going to follow Doppelkoop, you want that to be his last moment in that story. Well, here's the thing, though. We don't, we're not supposed to know that's Doppelkoop yet that drove it to Twin Peaks. I think that's just one of these small things you can pick up. Once it becomes clear that they've not been running alongside each other, that's like one of those... It'd be different if we actually get a shot of them driving in and we actually seen it. Right. Yeah, okay. It's that's just our speculation at this point, to be fair. I mean, it could be someone else, but I think it is him. Yeah. Uh, just, just with the timeline not quite uh, syncing up yet. So, um, I went down that. I also noted down this. So, so what this place is, it's where Ray was going. Uh, this sort of safe haven, uh, this criminal organization. Um, and I'm using that term, not really knowing what this group does. All I know about this group is one: they have a giant ass TV. It's pretty cool. Like, it's huge. It's like, I used to have a projector with a projector screen, and this TV's bigger than that screen. It's, yeah, it's, 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 it's a wall, basically. <laughs> it's a wall. Um, and they've got the security camera feed on it. So, like, you know, Ray's watching Doppelkoop get out of the truck, and he's, like, you know, smaller on the screen. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's insane. And uh, and then the other thing I know about this, this group, they have a very interesting way of picking the leader. It's <laughs> one way of phrasing it. They pick Interesting or or utterly moronic? Oh, it's not moronic. I'll, I'll accept intriguing, I'll accept strange, I'll accept... I'll accept mesmerising, I will not accept moronic. Look, I'm just saying, I do not think this process is the most efficient way to get a good leader. Connor. Their evil lair has nothing but a big TV and then a second room that has a, one table and two chairs in it so they can facilitate the arm wrestling matches that they need to use in order to pick the leader. They're clearly not... Sorry, how does this not sound moronic? <laughs> it's not moronic. It's amazing, is what it is. I was... I, I, the, the grin I had in my face as they revealed how they pick the leader, and then they take him to another room, and it's just a table and shit. And there's nothing else. It's a big empty room. It's huge. It's a yeah. huge room. It's big massive. Empty space. It's so that they can fit everyone in as a big crowd. <laughs> they, they all want to climb around and watch it. So, so they let Cooper in. Uh, also, the, the bald guy here, uh, what was his name? Uh, Renzo. Um, the actor uh, played Jason Voorhees, uh, I think, in Freddy vs. Jason. So... I know that, maybe the remake, maybe both, I can't remember, but he definitely played Jason at one point, so. You would know that. Bit of trivia. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> slasher movies. Uh, so yeah, they, they let him in, and they're like, 
Okay, yeah, you're a contender, and you know, so explain what happens, and they explain. Okay, Kenzo's the, or sorry, Renzo's the boss because he, he, no one can beat him at arm wrestling. So you beat you, you face him at arm wrestling. If you lose, you're one of us now, and if you don't do what he says, we'll kill you. If you win, you're the new leader. But you can, yep. you can walk away right now, and of course, and Doppelkoop plays into the ridiculous of it. He's like, "What is this kind of con? Nursery school?" It's it's strange, isn't it? Sure. Uh, which gets him a punch in the back of the head and the way into the room, uh, if you do recall. But, I do. So obviously, I'm thinking, right? Doppelkoop's about to mess this guy up in a bad way. You know? Yeah. And, yeah, I, yeah. I, and I wasn't sure how they were going to handle it, how they were going to do it, and. Obviously, in fact, another thing actually, I, I liked uh, when he's come up in the elevator. It's like there's just like this army of guys with guns. Like he's one person, and we know he's that dangerous. They, they should probably be all ready with the guns, but it just it was amusing to me that they, they had yeah. this big army of guys like that. Um, so so they go into the room and they they have the arm wrestling match, and again it builds up in a really amusing way because the, the the henchman guy is like, "You ready, boss?" And it's like, "Are you ready?" And he's talking to Doppelkoop, and Doppelkoop's like reacting. He's like, everyone's laughing, and like, I'm like, nah, Doppelkoop's about to mess this guy up. Yeah. And of course, the arm wrestling match starts, and like, Renzo immediately like, gets his hand up, like, near, 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 near victory. Yeah. And it stays there for a while. And then Doppelkoop just sort of puts it back to start and goes, starting position. Do you know what the way he keeps saying starting positions really reminds me of the, the Dougie speech? You know, where he'll just he'll say something and, and just kind of stick on it. All oh, right, okay. And, and the way you're doing this, you go starting positions, and you just deliver it like the same sort of way, and then just n- nothing else. I never, I never really picked up on that comparison. Uh, obviously, the first time he did it, I was like, I, I don't, I don't quite get it. And they did it again, and I'm like, oh, he's he's just he's showing them that he's in complete control. Because then he does yeah. it, then he goes one step further, and he's like, yeah, when you put my hand here, it really hurt, and he actually goes in the direction, you know. The, the direction he'd be losing, and like, yeah. but then it really hurt when you put me down here. But it's much more comfortable at starting position, and he's in control the entire time. And then he puts his hand down, and then he goes back to the starting position. And I actually read this as a little bit of a meta commentary, but obviously beyond the, the character purpose of like showing that he is in con- complete control, yeah, uh, completely. Um, the meta commentary here is that you know, as as a TV show, it's like there's this thing in network TV, you have to always maintain the status quo, you have to always go back to the starting position, he's like, this is what's more comfortable yeah, the risk is down here the risk is back there, but now you always go back to the starting position, just a little bit of meta commentary, it's like, yeah, it's not the same as the old show it, it almost feels like going, yeah, look it, 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 you could say, oh, we're gonna get back to the starting position, you know, Cooper's gonna come back you could say that, I, I think it's just saying, yeah, that's what's comfortable but safe isn't you know, exciting. Like you, you, you want yeah. to push the, push the bit. Maybe I'm reading into it too much, but um, that's that's the sort of meta commentary I was. I got a few meta moments in this one actually. But I loved uh, this. You know when he's when Dovkoop is pushing the arm back, mm. and he's going, "Now look, it hurts, doesn't it?" I love it. You can hear his arm cracking. Hmm. It sounds fantastic. Also, I like how what go, keep going back to cut, uh, cutting to Ray's reactions throughout all this. It's like at first he's really cocky. He's like, "Ah, you ain't gonna get beat." And then as it goes on, he's actually like, "What's going? What's happening? What's, what's yeah, happening?" Yeah, they have to what? hold him back to stop him interfering. And then eventually, of course, uh, not only does he win the arm wrestling match, he immediately punches uh, Renzo's face into a mush. Yeah, I, I didn't realize Doppelcoop was One Punch Man. I'm sorry, it's an anime reference. 
<laughs> I hate you a little bit more every day. Uh, I know. Um, that said, there's at least one person we know with super strength who might be able to take him on an arm wrestling match. <laughs> there is indeed. More <laughs> on that later. <laughs> She'll bring her shovel. <laughs> um, so, so, so he wins the fight, and that makes him he's the leader. And they just kind of give him phones and whatever he says, and. He shoots Ray in the leg, and he, he makes everyone else leave, and then he shoots Ray in the leg when Ray tries to run, and he starts a conversation. Although, before they can really get into it, there's this one member, who I didn't notice beforehand as well in the in the crowd. So it's, it's all like these bikers with the long hair, and they've all got guns, and all kind of like, they all have a look to them. Uh, and then, there's this one random guy, who's like, he's got glasses on, he's got like a sort of cardigan, and he's like, he's like a little... He, he looks like a banker. Yeah, he looks like a sort of stereotypical nerdy banker. And he just kind of stands there awkwardly, and then... He's already made everyone leave the room, Doppelcoop, and then it's when Ray's on the ground, he looks he looks over next to the stairwell, and this guy's just standing there, staring. And it's yeah. like, you're in a room with Doppelcoop, and somehow you're creepier right now. It's yeah, like, and he just says, do you need any money? To which Doppelcoop responds, no, and he just then the guy just leaves. Yeah. And it's funny, because... I, I was trying to think of, okay, what does this mean in plot? What does this mean from a, a metaphorical meta point of view, if, if there is anything there to read? You know, and I almost took it as, you know, a real artist maybe doesn't need money. But I think there's actually much more on that sort of commentary later in the episode. So I'm not really sure if this this particular moment's even trying to hit that home. I wonder if there's a way to read into this a bit more than that. I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like maybe this is something that might become clearer as, as we go on. It might be. I mean, it could be some something as simple as Doppelcoop doesn't like accepting help in a way. Like he's going out on his own. I, I don't know. Maybe. Mm, I don't know. It's a bit of a stretch. Well, it's a bit. But uh, so then we get interesting here. Uh, not that we weren't interesting before. Yeah. Now, now we're in the interrogation. Now we get to the interrogation. We're in some real interesting stuff. Um. So he asks, you know, who's trying to kill him? Who's paying you to kill me? And he responds, Philip Jeffries. Well, he says, at least that's what they called themselves. That's what he claims to be, yes. Um, interesting that he would even say that. Yeah. Because, I mean, Philip Jeffries means something to us, means something to the Doppelcoop. But, you know, if, he, if he's not even sure who Philip Jeffries is, I mean, admittedly, maybe he's just assuming, oh, maybe it's an alias. Yeah, like he says, he never met him, so he, yeah. he never verified it. Yeah, he only spoke to him over the phone. They they kind of he makes that clear, and so so he's like Philip Jeffries uh, wants him dead, and of course I immediately think okay he's working for a lodge. I'm not sure which one though. That's again that's assuming it is Philip Jeffries. If it is someone using that name, who and why? Because wh whoever it is yeah. knows that name has meaning. Here's the interesting thing. So, so the next thing he says is, because he asks why he wants them dead, and he says, you've got something inside you that they want. Now, this is where I'm like, okay, right, so is this is this the Black Lodge wanting Bob back? Is this the White Lodge wanting to contain Bob? And clearly Ray doesn't know that Bob's no longer in there. We saw Bob get taken out. Yeah. So... Which means, as maybe as far as Philip Jeffries is concerned, Ray completed the job. He he killed 
Cooper at the time. That's, and... that, that, but that's assuming he's, he's doing something for a lodge. If he's a third party who wants Bob for himself for some reason, then not so much. That's that is true. So because I mean I'm speculating maybe he's working for a lodge, but at the same time he could be. Uh, and that's if even as Philip Jeffries. If this is so, whoever's claiming to be Philip, if it's the real Philip Jeffries, it's more likely to be working for a lodge, I guess, because he was so entwined with that and Firewalk with me. Yeah. Uh, and he's been missing all these all this time. Uh, but like the idea that it could be a third party who wants to, you know, kind of like how uh, what's his face, Wyndham Earl wanted to like get get access to stuff and wanted to be part of this world. This is like some nut job who wants to like be taken by Bob. So he's could looking be. for. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Um, but but certainly that, that I immediately like, you know, my ears perked up. I was like, oh, oh what yeah. is it? oh interesting. So that's specifically why they want him dead. Um, because at first I was like, they just want to kill Bob. They want to send him back to the lodge. And certainly someone does because then Ray pulls out the ring, yes. the the green ring, and of course Dougie had that on. Um, when Dougie went away, uh, the one armed man had the ring and put it on his little table. Yep, um, and that's relevant because that's about to come up again in a second. Um, and he mentions that someone gave him the ring, someone who was dressed as a guard in the prison, just yes. before he, just before he, we see them with Doppelcoop when they were leaving. Someone dressed as a guard gave him this ring and told him to put it on Doppelcoop when he after he'd killed him. Yeah, it's interesting. It is very interesting because that, that's where like okay. That's what, that, that almost makes me think that this person, this whoever this guard was, right? Possibly someone from a lodge, right? They they are p- potentially on the good side of things because if they give them the ring to put it on, because the ring takes the soul, the, the essence, yeah. to the lodge when the, if the person who's wearing it dies, right? Right, and the question is, would it take a doppelcoop or would it take Bob? I don't know. But clearly... And obviously we suspect the one our man, if not him in the, the prison uniform, he's behind it because when the ring goes back, you know, because we see it, it's that really cool shot when it falls and just hits the, the zebra floor and then we yeah. see the hand and it looks like the one our man's hand and has like sort of the, the jacket he wears. It yeah, looks yeah. very much like it. And it's the hand placing it on the, the same table as before. So it's went out and we knew it was already there. So it yes. definitely implies that he's the one behind that part of it in some way, that he's the one who gave the ring out uh, whether or not he was actually the one in the, the guard, or maybe he possessed the one in the guard. Unless the the guard was Philip Jeffries. Philip Jeffries is working with the one armed man. Because oh, yeah. you know, like, like I said, after you kill him, put this on him. So it, it implies that they, that they know that's the plan. They do. That said, though, I mean, people from the lodge tend to know a lot of things anyway about what's they coming do. up. They so do. I, I could see it being separate. I could see it being the same thing, uh, and as all part of the same side mm. but it's, it's hard to tell it's hard to tell what the intentions are of any of these people who are it is it is like uh, you know is, is the person who, who wants to kill cooper a good guy or a bad guy yeah. i don't know like it could, it could no go idea. either way it's like does he want bob for a good reason to trap him to keep him off like away from people or put him in a lodge does does, does he want bob for something evil so he can have him or put him in someone else or something alternatively like that? do they think he's trapped inside cooper and they want and... to save him yeah Hmm. Interesting. Um, so, so of course, uh, Doppelcoop does shoot him, but of, not before a couple of other little moments. When he tells me to put the ring on, he does specifically ask it to, to put on the ring, the spirit finger. Yes. That we've, we've been hearing about. 
Um, which maybe, you know, just lines up with the idea of the spirits that want, you know, goes to the lodge if they're wearing the ring. Um, also worth mentioning, the, the gang is all watching this take place on the big TV. They're all grouped around. Don't blame um, them. I'd be nosy too. As, as you would be. Um, and it's actually after the, the ring going on that it cuts back out to the gang. We've already seen them once. It cuts back out again. And there was this great thing where I just noticed some movement because someone's like sort of walking through the the, the crowd. And mm. then I went, oh shit, it's Richard. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, oh, this is interesting. Which, admittedly, if this is after everything he's done in Twin Peaks, that maybe puts a wrench into the uh, Twin Peaks is all happening later uh, theories. It does, doesn't it? But this could be before. This could easily be before. It could, yeah. That's it. We've not seen enough of him to really place him for a lot of it. Yeah, it could also be after, because it could be after he's like abandoned town. Because uh, mm. cause I think he said he was skipping town the last time we saw him. Remember when he phoned, uh, he phoned, what's his name, Chad, to intercept the letter? Yeah, that was a while ago. And but... the, the, and the poli- and, you know, uh, Sheriff Truman did say he was on the run, and now he's in a different state. I mean, that. Right, but for this to not line up, there would have to be. Hmm. So, you know, because at that point there, so that has to be concurrent up to a point, doesn't it? In the timelines, if it, you know, between Twin Peaks and outside. Mm-hmm. So for him to leave and then be here, then there has to be almost like a little time jump in Twin Peaks where it gets ahead. Possibly, but I'm... Did, did, he, did he flee before we knew it was two days until this, this date? I feel like it was around the same time. As I'm having a hard time remembering if it was before or after that. But uh, By the way, let's not get, get dwelling into that too much right now. But the fact that yeah. Richard's there, the fact that Richard is very intently watching, the fact that he stands out as being creepy amongst all these gang members... Uh, is he's very, isn't it? He's very snake-like. He's, he's got this, it's the look he's got in his face and his, uh, mm. his features. He's very... Um, and also, we've been speculating that Doppelkoop's his father. Like, so... Is this him watching his father? Maybe for the first time, or maybe he's met him tons of times. It's hard yeah, to tell. we just don't know. Is he here looking for him because it's his father and he's not met him before? He's, he's trying to reach out to his dear old evil daddy. I don't know. Uh, but still, so, but big stuff. Um, and the final thing Ray says before he gets shot, uh, Doppelkoop demands to know where Philip Jeffries is, and he says, he said he didn't know at first, and he said, the last I heard, it was a place called the Dutchman's. But he looked into it, and it's not a real place. And then yeah. he gets shot, and Doppelkoop says, I know what it is. Interesting, he says, I know what it is, not where not it where is. Not where it is. Yeah, I call that as well. I thought it was very interesting. So what is this Dutchman's? Is this the place that we're going to end up in Twin Peaks? Like, is this going to be an entrance to a place? Uh, you know, from where, you know, where Bobby's going to be walking from, you know, the old place with the, from where his dad knew? Like, is that where he's going to end up? Is that the Dutchman's? And I, I'm only saying that because it's the only new place we have theoretically a location for. Right, and it would make sense to have our characters converge at some place. Mm. Obviously, yeah, we had uh, the coordinates with Diane and Gordon and all that. Uh, we know they lead to Twin Peaks, but could be more specific. Oh, yeah, because coordinates aren't a whole town. The coordinates right, are exactly. very specific. They're, they're a specific point. In fact, the coordinates in question actually lead somewhere else, and apparently... Uh, 
uh, the landowner for the location had to like put out a statement saying stop people people keep trespassing on my land because they're looking for these fun Pete's coordinates <laughs> Uh, that's quite funny, but that's a shame. It's, it's, it's poor farmer, or well, I assume he's a farmer because it's like I think it's like the middle of a farmland. Right, it's uh, a fair assumption. Then. Yeah, uh, he's got acres of something, whatever he he's, he does. But um, so no, but very interesting. The Dutchman's that's a new place to keep in our mm. keep in our minds. Um, and I've got the cast. We sort of spoke about that a little bit. Or the ring fades, falls down at the room. Ray then appears here, there. I, the- I love the touch of when you, you hear the ring fall mm. and then it cuts back to Doppelcoop and it's like he can hear it. Yeah, okay, yeah, I agree with that. Um, and it, obviously after the ring's fallen there, we also see Ray's there as well. Not his actual physical body, but his spirit's lying there in, yeah. the, uh, in the the lodge. So um, so that was that, was that scene. Uh, so... Then we cut to the the Las Vegas Police Department, and this was the you know two out of the three brothers. Uh, there's a little joke about hoping there's not a murder at the weekend because their, their, their mother wants them over for dinner. Yeah, uh, no, got, yeah, fat chance of that happening. Yeah, we got the laugh again, uh, which may be some foreshadowing for some for some murdering going on. So, may well be. Uh, more on that uh, in the next scene, actually. But we. Uh, also, I did notice here. There's again, you could argue it's just a comedy beat or a bit of sort of meta, meta commentary on something. Uh, but the idea that there's this commotion in the next room, like there's so, some some perp has gotten loose and has a knife, and they're attacking someone. You hear screams, you hear all this commotion going on, and they just kind of sit there and ignore it. They don't go to yeah. help. And then when the yeah, third... it really shows how indifferent they are, doesn't it? Yeah, and then the third brother comes in. He's he's not really caring, uh, but he's got results from the fingerprints back. Uh, he does pretty much uh, exactly what we expected him to get back. Yeah, basically. Although I did question. I mean, I suppose they they probably retook Doppelcoop's prints at the prison. But part of me did wonder, like, is this just because Cooper's prints have been on record since before? Oh, they will have been as a yeah. government agent. Yeah. Yeah, but I'm just wondering, like. Did they take any of the, the new Coopers, you know, Doppel Coopers prints? They probably did, I imagine, but... They must have done, because they said that, you know, he, he escaped prison two days ago. They wouldn't have to be new prints, though. No, but they would have had to have checked his prints against them. Oh, sure, but I, I'm just saying, like, if they're on record, and they know this is Cooper they've got, or at least they think it's Cooper they've got in the in the, in the prison. I agree yeah. they probably did check his prints, but I'm just saying... Like... Well, I'm just saying the fact that the, the computer has told them here in Vegas that this person was here two days ago. No, but they wouldn't have to take his prints to know that he was there. Like, they'd just add it to his record that already has his prints on file. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, you know, I, I don't think it necessarily... I mean, I think they probably did, don't get me wrong. I think 90% chance they took yeah. his prints at the prison. But, like... Cause I'm they, a little bit disappointed his prints aren't all just... back. The, the, you know, I thought they were weird, like, backwards, reversed. Um... Well, maybe that lends credence to what I just said. Like, maybe... Maybe. Like, they, they, they popped up as the Cooper, but they were weird. Because we saw, even saw Tammy looking at them, but there was something right. off about them. Um, but obviously they've added it to Cooper's file that he you know, is in yeah. custody at this prison. So, um, that'll be why. Uh, but they just kind of dismissed this. They're like, oh, he's, he's apparently a missing FBI agent, and he just escaped from a prison. And they know he's been there. So Yeah, just, so they just disregard it. Yeah, they just throw it out. Um, and that's when it shifts to uh, Anthony shows up and he's looking for these uh, this other cop that he knows uh, Detective Clark who uh, apparently also works for Mr. T- uh, Mr. Todd 
as yeah. does another cop who's like sort of keeping an eye on things as he's watching uh, from a distance. Uh, and he's basically there. He wants poison because he needs to murder Dougie, so he wants some poison. Um, and it, it just kind of sets it up. He's also a bit of a nervous wreck. You know, the cop is like constantly insulting. He's like, "Oh, you're a chicken shit." Like, yeah, use the poison because that's the chicken shit we are doing it, and all these these kind of insults. Um, pure plot. I, I don't read into this too much on its own. Um, next scene is uh, Hutch and Chantel who are driving. They're on the road. We know they're on their way to Vegas. They're going through Utah at the this particular moment in time. Yeah, do you know what I want to point out? The very first thing that struck me in this scene. She's eating. No, it wasn't that. Okay. It was that in that light, Tim Roth looks a lot like Ryan Gosling. <laughs> uh, fair enough. I, it, it just in that really dim light, you know, where it was just his, like, like his face is like it I, looked a lot like him. I did not. So know. It's, a, it's a big, big compliment for Tim Roth. You said that as if Tim Roth was an unattractive <laughs> man before this. This. No, you know. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying. Poor Tim Roth, Connor giving him all sorts of shady shit. That's just flat, it's flat out body shaming, is what it is. You you look good when it's low light. <laughs> but uh, so so basically, the way I took this scene more than anything else was they're on their way. Like as much as things are going really well in Vegas, Doppelkoop's like henchmen are on their way to Vegas, and we just had the cops say, "Oh, fat chance of no murders this weekend." Yeah. I feel like this is all pointing to something going down now, and I don't actually know how it's going. To, I've got two theories here. One, Cooper Dougal, Dougie Cooper is going to once again completely solve this and beat them easily, right? And everything's going to be hunky dory. Or two, these are this is the time when it'll finally get bad. And I was wondering, actually, like this maybe is quite dark, but do we think Janie E and Sonny Jim might might go down? It's possible. Do you know, I was also considering. Obviously, we saw uh, Doppelcoop get shot. Mm. And then he kind of gets back up. I was wondering, could we see a similar thing happen with with our Cooper? Is he? Yeah, because he's split do, and it's not. Yeah. Do yeah. they think he's dead? So they leave. Maybe I think the reason why I was jumping to the Sunny Jim and Janie E, partly because they've been shown how happy they are and how how much Janie E is starting to really appreciate this new Dougie and how much Sunny Jim he's got his new gym and all that. But also just because we, we talk about how like getting to the lodges like Garmin Bosia and like all that kind of thing. And I just wonder if, like, what finally wakes him up is pain and suffering. So he's grown attached to these two people, and then they're going to get killed. And that, that pain and suffering is what clicks him and wakes yeah. him up. Yeah, I, I also think maybe he needs the uh, detachment. Like, if, if, let's say he does remember who he is, mm. but would he just abandon a family like that? I, I don't think our Cooper would. I think he'd feel responsible for yeah. Sonny Jim. That said, though, in terms of the plot for Twin Peaks, like if he's going off to deal with the problem, it doesn't mean he's not going to go back. So it wouldn't necessarily affect the you know the actions that he immediately takes to deal with Doppelcoop and Bob and well, you know, Lodges. That's true. Uh, but at the same time, you're right. Just in terms of like you know the happily ever after ending, like not that I expect one of those from Lynch. But <laughs> if we we're going to imagine a world post this season, like yeah, like would he abandon this wife and this son, even though it's technically not his? It, it just doesn't feel like the sort of thing he'd do, does it? Nah. Because, you know, Cooper makes everything better when he's around. That's Exactly. Uh, all the Vegas stuff has really been hitting that home, more and more, as it's, as it's going along. Yeah. So, as far as what they're actually talking about in this scene, uh, they're, they're talking about uh, Mormons, and uh, Chantel's complaining that they're weird because they don't, they don't drink anything. Not, not even, like, 
you know, soda, no, no, no liquor, no coffee, anything like that. Um, and Hutch sort of says, "Well, yeah, it's not all bad though. They they get to like, you know, they sure they'd have to wait for marriage till for sex, but they get to marry like six or ten wives. I think was the exact number he threw out. Um, and then she goes, it's kind of weird. There's not more of them then, isn't there? Given they've all got all these wives, and." <laughs> I really don't know what that's saying. I have nothing to read into that. I just thought that was an interesting observation. That why isn't there more of them, despite the fact that, like, one husband will have, like, eight wives, and there's presumably got, you know, say maybe two or three kids per wife. Yeah. Should be tons of them. It's a a fair logic. Uh, I I mean, my, my, like, analysis of that would be, well, because they grow up and realise they don't want to be Mormons, so a lot of them, you know, Revert back to non-Mormonism. <laughs> Non-Mormonism. It's a technical term. Look it up. I will do that and report back. Ver- verify your claim. No, I-, I guess for me it was just the idea of expectations. You know, like, like she was saying, mm, you know, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. th- you have this vague information. You'd expect more, but it's not what you think. Yeah, okay, yeah, I can see. I can see. I can see what's in. So then we we cut to uh, Cooper once again. Uh, Janie E's dropping him off in the new BMW, uh, and again she seems really happy with him. She's really like loving towards him, pushing him in the car. She also seems very loving towards her new car. She's like she's rubbing the steering wheel and she's like, oh yes, engine's purring and she's. To be fair, it's a very nice car. Yeah, she's very excited about it. But Anthony's there. He's he's waiting to ambush him, as it were. And he's like, right, I'll get you a coffee, Dougie, on me in the coffee shop. As we've seen, you know, where he got the cherry pie before. is yeah. right in the sort of lobby of this building. And before he gets there, though, I, do, I did have some thoughts on his entrance into the building. Uh, so it's these big glass doors, and Cooper walks into one of them. And then he just sort of stands there, and he sort of touches the glass. It's almost like he's trying to push through like he's pushing against mm. and then someone comes along someone else is coming in like opens the door and sort of lets him in and I was just thinking just some simple little thing like the idea that okay he got through eventually but I think for it to really for him to break through he has to be able to open the door himself yeah yeah he's he's kind of being enabled yeah like there's too many people just making it easy for him and he's kind of comfortable which goes back to you know the, the pain and suffering idea where there's too many people just helping him, so he's not gonna he's not gonna have that breakthrough moment. Hmm. Yeah. I, I was just it was cause it was just it was when he was pushing up against the glass. I thought oh, it's almost like he's trying to break. You know, as a metaphor for him trying to like get get out and like yeah. wake up. But no, he has to open the door himself and walk through it. Uh, you know, I can only show you the door. You must enter to you know bring up a matrix to quote for the for the occasion. But. Uh, so yeah, so he takes him over to the coffee shop and they're sitting there, it's all awkward, and again uh, Anthony's sitting being all nervous it's, it's great stuff and of course they get the coffees come and Cooper notices the, the, the cherry pie over on the, the counter and he gets up and he walks over and he just stares at it and you know the, 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 you know, the, the girl who works there is like oh do you want some cherry pie? cherry pie <laughs> um, go and enjoy your coffee, I'll, I'll bring it over to you he's like coffee <laughs> it turns out crack me up uh, but he comes over uh, behind uh, anthony who of course is just you know while he's been away he's been like, slipping the poison into his into his coffee and if there's a way you want to kill cooper let's be honest slipping something into the, the coffee is probably the uh the, it's the, the easiest way the isn't best it? way of doing it but cooper notices something on his he's uh he notices like, these white specks on his on anthony's jacket yeah and it distracts him and he starts kind of like 
basically he's playing with them, but it's almost like from Anthony's perspective, like he's almost getting a massage. He's sort of yeah. got his hands on his shoulders and he's kind of like feeling it. And Anthony's like getting really emotional and nervous. He's like, is coffee's there, Dougie? He's getting really upset. And you can tell it's really hitting him. And then eventually he's like, oh, I'm sorry, I can't do this. And he grabs a coffee and he runs into the, the bathroom. And there's that funny joke where the, the guy's in there peeing. He's like, that bad, huh? Um, and it, it's, you know, the, the, the whole scene's played out very well. And it, uh, do we cut straight to, we don't cut straight to the, the scene where all this is sort of uh, brought up. No, because we, we, yeah. uh, we cut back to them outside and, you know, Cooper's there eating his pie on his red chair. Yeah, he's eating his pie, he's drinking his coffee, uh, he's, he's looking over at Anthony, who's like, he's just like, I'm sorry, Dougie. <laughs> and he's like, I don't care, I just want my pie. Yeah, he's, he's, he's in the pie. Um, but once again, Dougie has averted death at another, you know, at any yes. cost. Um, so we cut to the double R briefly. And interestingly, I thought there was a nice little connective tissue here, because cherry pie is brought up in this scene. Right, fact, I know, so as well. Cherry Pie is brought up several times in this episode, in fact. There's another scene later on that talks about Cherry Pie in depth. So, double R. And this is a, a Shelly scene. Shelly gets a call from Becky. Becky's worried that shitty Steve has uh, been missing for two days. And she's all upset oh, about it. Uh, she, she's, you know, she's bubbling over the phone. And Shelly gets the idea, why don't I invite you down? Come, come down to the double R and I'll serve you up uh, a piece of Cherry Pie with some ice cream and some whipped cream and... Uh, Sounds very good. Find some time to talk. I mean, I don't like cherry pie, to be fair. But but just the sound of it is tempting, isn't it? I love cream. Yeah. On, I love cream on cake, though. Like if you if you offer me a bit of pie or cake with cream, I'm probably going to be up for it. Well, assuming it, like, like here, it's not about oh, I like oh cherry pie specifically, but the idea of just you know you you hear it all pie, ice yeah, cream, yeah. cream. It's like oh, this sounds good. Yeah, yeah. So, and it's funny. This is just a little scene, and there's not a whole lot to it. But I did. And we don't even see a follow-up. Like I was expecting a scene at some point with Cheryl, you know, with Becky in the diner, or, you know, yeah. you know, actually having the, the conversation that they said they were going to have, and it never really quite happened. But I, I do think it shows Shelley being a pretty decent mother, having a good idea. Because as soon as she suggests it, Becky does kind of stop crying, and she's like, "Oh, that does sound really good," and she she smiles, and it's maybe the most genuinely happy we've seen Becky, because <laughs> she's either been abused, high, or like really upset about things yes that, that's again a bit of who becky is so um so yeah there's a thing so we cut back to lucky seven and anthony's in bushnell's office and he's 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 uh confessing he's confessing everything and there's a couple of fantastic uh cooper doogie moments here where he just you know it's like um he says i want to confess and then cooper goes confess and he's like i, I will doogie i will <laughs> he starts confessing and then later on he's he's like I need to thank Dougie he's like thank Dougie thank, thank it's like really good stuff it's really really what? funny stuff and again like he's he's confessing all this stuff and he's talking about how he doesn't want to live like this he's not slept in weeks he doesn't want to be this person uh, and Dougie like made him realise this and he wants to you know he's willing to testify he's willing to do the right thing and again I feel this is another example of Cooper's improved this person's life he's made him see the error of his ways and he's doing the right thing you know, he stopped him from becoming a killer. He was almost a murderer, and he stopped him from doing that. Yeah, and, and Bersons also says, he's like, you know, when I found out about this, I lost all respect for you, and I, mm. you know, I had such contempt, but with you confessing now, that's gone down a bit. He kind of respects him a bit more. Even though he did the things, he, he yeah. respects that he, he confessed. Yeah, uh, so once again, so, so both of them, the lives have been proved, the relationship 
you know, at least seems like it can be mended now. It's on the path to something better. Like, you know, a lot of things here where, again, it's just this Cooper making everyone around him better, you know, improving their lives. He's the, he's the light that shines their way, if if you if you will. In fact, I think the words I wrote down is uh, Anthony finally uh, wants to repent. It's a good way of putting it. Yeah, he wants to repent. So. Yeah, and he says, "Yeah, we'll get you to testify against Todd." Yeah, in fact, um, he even says the phrase "Donnie," uh, not Donnie. Sorry, Doogie saved my life. That that specific mm. phrase stuck out to me. Like he saved my life. Um, so you can't really put it in. He also it uh, sort of stumbles into the two cops as well. He's like, oh yeah, and the two cops. He's like, it was about them too. Oh, they, they're worse than Mister Todd. I mean, are they? We'll see. <laughs> um, <laughs> if, it, if it even comes up, I, I imagine that maybe that's what happens. We'll, we'll end up with this massive shootout because the assassins will come for Dougie. We'll have the cops coming for Anthony, and then it'll be like this. And then the Mitchum Rolls will be there to protect them, and it'll it'll be this weird. I'll have, we'll have the three brothers just stood by the side drinking coffee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they won't even care. <laughs> uh, dear. Um, yeah, so 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 that's that scene, and then we go back to the double R. Yes. Uh, nighttime scene, and Bobby comes in. He wants his dinner. He's, he orders something to eat, and he's looking around. He, you know, he's looking for Shelley, and you can kind of tell he's he's worried, you know he wants to see Shelley. He's clearly still got feelings for her. I mean, knew that anyway from the, these previous interactions with her, but. Um, but he runs into Norma, who's still sitting at that one damn table doing her goddamn numbers. Uh, but also Big Ed. Yeah, out of nowhere, Big Ed, and it's like finally oh, nice to see him. Um, but do you know what I liked about this though? Because so like Bobby's, like, he asked where Shelley is, and he's like, oh, she already went home, and he's kind of surprised. Like, it's like, oh, come sit with us, Bobby. Come, you know, have you done with us? And you know, he's like, no, no, no sense in sitting, eating alone. Like, come, come with us. And he sits down, and it's this really sweet moment where three original Peaks characters are sitting in the, you know, it's like, oh, what happened? And we'll get to what he said in a minute because I've got thoughts. But it just, it's, it's this kind of sweet thing, and it's funny that the tone of the scene completely changes when this new person comes in and interrupts everything. This Walter comes in, and all of a sudden it's not that sweet anymore. But before, like up until that point, it feels really, you know, you know Ed and Norma are sitting there, and even if they're not been a couple right now, because, you know, uh, Bobby asks, oh, do you want me to leave you alone? And you two can, it's like, oh, nothing's happening, Bobby, you're fine. You, uh. But that's it. as soon as Walter comes in, you know, uh, Bobby and Ed leave the table, and they're like, they just feel uncomfortable. Yeah. You know, and even the way Big Ed's like watching from afar, like he keeps looking over, and like you can tell he's concerned. He cares about what's going on, and uh, so we'll talk about that. We say we get to, but so so they asked Bobby, oh, so what's new? What's what's up? What's up? What's been happening? And he said, oh, we found some some stuff belonging to my dad today. And I'm like, today? Yeah. So this hasn't moved. <laughs> but did he find that? See that stuff they found. Was that what about that nighttime scene in the diner though, when he was with Shelley and the shootout happened? I could have sworn that was after they found that stuff, but I could, I may be remembering it wrong. It may have been the episode. See, if you'd asked me, I'd have said the same, but might be memory playing tricks. I think that was after they found that stuff. Is this some mistakes in the edits? I don't know if it's a mistake. Um, maybe he found more stuff that he doesn't mean or. You know, like you know, like maybe it's stuff that we don't know about really, but it doesn't seem like it. Uh, it's almost, nah. it, it almost feels really. But think about this though, it's almost the exact same complaint with the the earlier scene with the the, the Sunny Jim catch. Yeah, it's the exact same thing where it feels like, well, maybe he's talking about another night or another day where he found some more stuff, but it doesn't seem like it should be, and that's too specific. There's no way that's a mistake. The fact that there's two things like that in the same episode that are the exact same kind of flaw, if you will. Yeah, that, that's intentional. That's a pattern. 
Yeah, you're right. One's a mistake. Two, I, I, you, you can't believe two mistakes would slip through I like that. I, I, I don't think mistakes slip through with Linda. No, no. I, like I, said, I could buy one small one, like you know, mm. especially when it was just you know, the scene with Sonny Jim, the catch. I could buy that slip through into the wrong place. I mean, is there a point here where some of this stuff is just genuinely taking place out of order? Yeah. And and it, if if things are out of order, if 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 it's telling us now that some of these things aren't in the order we've seen them, what else isn't? That's beg the question. And, and like like you mentioned, um, you know the the car driving in, which we assumed was Doppelcoop. Yeah. So that's kind of you know out of order where we're seeing him in this episode, assuming that is him. Assuming that's him, yeah. But at least with that stuff, we thought the Twin Peaks stuff was taking place at a later date anyway. So that, that right, that but then we sense. had the but then we had the Richard in, in the in the room earlier. It's like yeah. okay, yeah, that that. But again, that's like we don't know if that's before or after, so that doesn't necessarily right. throw a wrench in it. But again, it feels like it's probably it's just after. another piece that's adding it to this. But it definitely, at this point now, it feels like there's definitely something with the, the structure. Like he's definitely playing with the order of things in some way. I, I'm not really... I don't think we have enough information yet to say what it is, but there's no, definitely well, something going on. That the, It does feel that way. I'm not sure why, but something's not right. Because I got this... It's just... It's too specific to tell us today. Because it, it doesn't which, need which, to. It doesn't yeah. say today. Which is, a, which is, again, a sign that this isn't a mistake. It's a very specific line of dialogue. We found right. that stuff today. They could have just, he could have just said, oh, we found this stuff that my dad had, and that would have been the end of the sentence, and we would never have even questioned it. question it. No, yeah. exactly. So, interesting. Hmm. Interesting. Unless Bobby... Unless it's a mistake on... Well, not a mistake, but unless it's just Bobby, like, oh, nothing interesting happened today, so I'll tell them what we found, like, two days ago. Maybe, but... It, it oh, sounds yeah. like you know he's having a catch up with them. Like he hasn't sat down and talked to them properly for a while. Yeah, so it's just kind of like, well, as much as he says today, he doesn't really mean today. Today, he's just sort of mean generally. This is what's been going on. Maybe still feels a strange. Like if he just said, "Oh, we found this stuff from my dad," mm. that would have had. If if it hadn't been today, that would have had as much impact as, "Oh, we found this stuff from my dad today." Today feels very specific. Unless the small chance that they've already went up and looked, and they found more stuff, and we've not seen that yet. I guess it's it's. But that'd be weird. That would be weird. Because uh, then we would. Then I feel like we would have to jump back in time to show us that. We we would, but maybe that's when it it inter like intercepts with like other stuff coming to Twin Peaks. So then maybe that's when we finally realise all oh, this stuff's all been out of order because they're coming in when this is happening when. You know, yeah. X, Y, and Z is not happened yet, but uh, maybe I mean maybe we are reading too much into it. It it could be a simple case of uh, again two of these very similar things in the same episode feels intentional, but you know what if it was a simple case of he wanted to move things around and it's like well I'll just live with that line feeling kind of weird. It doesn't feel yeah. very Lynch to do that, but like maybe when we get to the end, if there's no if there's more on this, if there's no more that kind of explains this then maybe that's just kind of what we'd say and that's, that's not a big deal like the grand scheme of things who cares one line of dialogue is a bit off but right uh at least right now we're we're questioning it and saying okay what does that mean <laughs> exactly there's too many things that, that make <sighs> us question it to ignore it there yeah i wrote a lot of question marks and exclamation points after the, the word today in my notes there <laughs> um 
So, so Walter comes in. Walter's a businessman who tur- turns out he's uh, running the franchise of the Double R for Nora. She's got five restaurants, including this one, around yeah. the state. Uh, and the rest of them are Norman's Double R, not yeah. just the Double R. Yeah, yeah, that, that's that's brought up uh, along with the fact that three of them are doing really well. They're they're, they're profiting well, uh, and the original one here in Twin Peaks is the one of the two that aren't. Uh, and he explains that. Uh, basically, she's spending too much on. I mean, he specifically says pies. I don't know if it's maybe if it's specifically just the pies, but at least what they're using here is the, the cherry pie as the example. Yeah. Uh, you, you're spending too much on pies and not charging enough, and like, and she brings up, but yeah, but what about all those other restaurants? Like, I've heard that the people don't like those pies as much. They're just not as good. Like, people who have had them here say, "No, this one's better." And I think the meta commentary here is quite easy. Yeah. Because it's like, no, no, the the knockoff isn't isn't real. Like. The original thing that's true and like what the intention was, but the idea of like it's kind of the idea of like if if Lynch had said, "Ah, oh, here, studio, you go find someone else to make a, a new Twin Peaks season," like it wouldn't be as good, right? And and there's the line that he says about uh, tweaking the formula for profitability, and that's like yeah. the, the whole idea of uh, you know by committee, you know, like oh, we'll tweak things because this is what people like, and it's like yeah, but it's not the same anymore, is it? You can tell it's different. Yeah, just like uh, like if if he'd accepted the nine episode deal originally before like right. fighting for more um it's just, it's just, it's just, it's uh, i mean it's very obvious but I, I did appreciate this commentary it was you know it was very to the point and yeah. it was also nice because it's the first time norma beyond stuff relating to shelly where she's had a nice little character beat this is kind of the first time okay she's got her own thing where she's dealing with her own stuff yeah and it, it finally makes sense why she's always sitting there doing numbers because she's answering to a board you know I, mean, I don't know if it explains the, the how often she's sitting there doing numbers, but yeah, yeah. If anything, it feels like he's doing more numbers, so she should be doing. Well, she's less. doing the other stores. I think he's got the numbers from all the other stores, is what it is. But I think she they're they're all doing their own in the store okay. and then sending them to him. Okay, okay, I'll accept that. Not that I really care to explain why she's always sitting there doing numbers, but it feels like she's always sitting at that same damn table. It it does, yeah. Um, so. So the conversation goes on. Obviously, when he first came in, he, he gave her a kiss that was kind of suggestive, but not like you get not you get serious, the yeah. you, you get the, the impression that he's trying to kindle yeah. a relationship, and she's kind of like she's accepted a date at least because they're on for dinner that night, but it's not gotten serious yet. And I, I was sort of yelling out, "You know what, Norma? He's using you to be successful because he's running your franchise. This is just Hank again, but he's wearing a better suit." <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And, you know, I think that's kind of the the whole message of, of, of a lot of the show. A lot of our because they're still kind of going through the same sort of problems, aren't they? Like, Shelley's doing the same thing again. Yeah, and Becky's inherited this from both her mother and her surrogate grandmother. Like, you know, she's yeah. doing similar things. Um, and it's, it's a real shame. Uh, <laughs> you feel kind of bad. And you see Ed watching from a distance, and you're kind of, you're kind of like, no. Uh, but, uh, hey. Um... Also, I referred to the pies at the other stores as knockoffs, just because it's important. It's a good, good word. Um, but yes, and again, I think the obvious other thing here is that she doesn't want to sell out, and like that's why her name is not in this one because this is the, this is you knew it is this. I'm not going to yeah. change it. Um, yeah, and she keeps saying that you know we had a deal. This was the deal. I don't want to change that. Yeah, and yeah. she doesn't want to compromise on the original terms. Uh, and he also says we should change the name of this one. Uh, because you're the face of the franchise, and I thought that was an interesting line. Mm. You're the face of the franchise, um, and it's almost like a commentary of like 
people saying hey, like David Lynch, oh, we need Cooper back for all this season because he's he's the face of the franchise. franchise. Yeah, uh, uh, and she's like, but no, that was never really in detention. That's not me. the point of this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's again a lot of meta commentary going on, and I thought that was that was fun stuff. Um, so then we cut to Nadine, and I worried for a little second we were going to have another Doctor Amp. I, uh, I I tuned out for about twelve seconds at the start of this scene. I was it, like, oh god. I was worried I was just going to see his show again, but luckily so she started typing. She was doing all the things, and then we see the truck pull up outside, and it's it's, it's actually it's Jacoby, it's Doctor Amp. He's he's seen the shovel in the window, so he has to come in and talk to her. But I appreciated all this because it's different. It's not the same her watching him. And right. I get the impression as well that she's like the only one watching his stupid podcast thing. Because uh, <laughs> like he's such a nut job, um, I love a little nut job, but a nut job nonetheless. So, it, so she comes out. She's like, "Oh, it's uh, it's you, Jacoby. Uh, can I call you Doctor Amp?" And it's very very sweet. And uh, they talk about the shovel and the display. And I love, I love that after all these years, twenty five years, right? Twenty five years. She's got a store where the sign says "Silent Drape Runners," and still. She feels the need to tell him that these drapes are completely silent. Yeah, yeah. She's she's so obsessed. They talk about some other stuff as well. They talk about the last time they see each other. Uh, she dropped a potato. Yeah, it was and, seven years ago. It was in the in the store. Yeah, and there was a storm that night. There was a big storm. Yeah, and then she seemed to go like, oh, like she remembered. Yeah, like something important might have happened seven years ago. I wonder if that lines up with anything that we'll maybe hear about. Yeah, I don't know. Like uh, until he said, "Oh, there was a storm that night." She was really blank, and then she's kind of like, "Oh, like there was recognition." Yeah, honestly, I think the. Pro- I mean, maybe that's seen something for later as well. But I think the main purpose of this scene for me was it was showing that some of the older characters are actually still nice people. They're still okay. Like the younger generation, we kept talking about how they're more corrupt, and you know, Becky's screwed. And as much as sure, Norm is kind of slipping into things, but you know, when it was when it was the old characters, when it was. Bobby, Ed, and Norma—they were quite happy, and it felt pleasant. It felt like a a sweet scene until right. this new character came in, and it almost felt like yeah, the 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 old guard of Twin Peaks are still kind of the, their old selves for you know to a fault in some yeah, cases. Yeah, for better or worse. Yeah, but they're still them, and it's these new younger, all these new people who have filled the town up because we we've spoken about how the population seems much bigger than it, it used yeah. to. Uh, you know, the roadhouse is much fuller. I mean, more people here. You know, old James singing his song, and. For me, this was like, no, these people are still nice and they're allies of each other. And I mean, they're, they're talking about actually fighting some stupid war with their shovels and whatnot, but like, they actually they care about each other. And he, as much as they're kind of cookie old people, they're kind of delirious and have all these weird beliefs and whatnot, there's a sweetness and a genuine f- kind of, you know, camaraderie there uh, yeah. that's sort of old school Twin Peaks. And I appreciate that in and of itself, but just in terms of, again, this idea that. Peaks needs saving, but there's still a few people there who are still their, their old selves, and I thought that was sweet. So, mm. so no, uh, so that was that, and then, then we got to a very interesting scene where I have a lot of notes written down, despite the fact that the scene is basically just Sarah Palmer uh, needing to go refill her booze. Yes, uh, but there's a couple of things that on my. I watched this twice again as I've as I've been doing with these and. The first time through, I didn't. I wasn't really paying attention to the the TV as much, but I knew. Okay, the second view, I'm going to listen very intently to what the TV. Yeah, saying. I got some of what it was saying. I didn't catch everything. Did you notice though something very specific about it? I mean, obviously, it's on a loop. 
it's on a loop. Yeah, that, that's, that was the main it, thing. Yeah, it's, um, it's this bit of a boxing match. It's on a loop. First things first, it's a really old boxing match. It's not present day boxing right. match. And I was actually so now. I wonder if Bushnell's one of the, I, I one, one of the fighters. Well. <laughs> uh, so I thought that. Also, here's something. Whenever the was either the bell or there was like a horn in the in the arena in the boxing match, and it would it would uh, you know ding ding ding. It would always be in bursts of three. Yeah, that sounded uh, like it was kind of distorted, but it sounded a lot like it was saying Bob Bob Bob. And that okay. may sound crazy, but go back and listen to it. I swear, I swear it was making that kind of noise. Okay, I will have to go back and watch that because. Um, I- so yeah, it's boxing match and bell horn sounds like Bob Bob Bob. Um, every time it restarts a loop, there's like a static noise, yeah, okay. a little clicking sound. Yeah, but obviously there's some static in there as well. So again, kind of like the electrical hum, kind of feeding into that whole idea of energy and all the rest of it. And you know, if you know, paining suffering or what like gives them strength. I'm pretty sure Sarah, Sarah Palmer just is nothing but paining suffering and has been for a she, long she's time. She's a three course meal. Yeah, and she she's in there, and you know, obviously we're feeling like oh something like she's sensing something. It's building, you know, when we saw the house last episode, it felt very ominous. The fan was spinning, all that stuff. Uh, and as much as she doesn't really do anything in here except sit and watch this TV, and then get kind of annoyed that it's on a loop and leaves. Like it's very ominous. It feels like it's it's hinting at stuff. And of course, you have the static, you have the bob bob bob, and I'm getting to what it said in a minute, but yeah. all this stuff felt very ominous to me. Yeah, definitely. The whole scene just feels like like because obviously you can watch this and go, nothing happens, but it has a tone. Yeah, it really does. Um, so what was it saying? What was the, the, the obviously it was the uh, the commentators for the boxing match that were speaking. I wrote, I wrote down pretty much. I might have paraphrased one or two small bits, but I've got it all written down, all of it. And this is the loop that plays. Oh, the right hand catches the big guy by the ear. And he finally goes down, hangs on to the ropes. Oh, the gentleman asks if he's okay. Looks are round number one and two underway. Now it's a boxing match again. I'm sure there's more meaning to this than what I can glean from it, but the main parts I took from this is someone got knocked down, they were on the ropes, someone asked if they were okay, he got back up, and now it's a fight again. Yeah, that's 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 the the bit I had as well. That that was the bit I was like, okay, and I don't think it takes a, a big imagination to then say, so Doppelkoop trapped Cooper. It put him down. Yeah, Cooper's Cooper's on the ropes. He's on the ropes, but he's and I I almost wonder if like before he like wakes up, if someone asks him if he's okay, that'd be a really nice callback to this. If it's a, if that's that specific, that someone says, "Are you okay?" and that's the moment he like. Do you know, I, I I really can't wait for McLachlan's acting for this. I really can't. I, no. I, I can't. I'm, I'm just. I'm trying to imagine in my head. I need him, to smile. Him going from Doogie face to Cooper face, and I, I yeah. can see him doing it in my head. And I don't know if he's going. If he's going to smile first, or if it's going to be more determination first. Like he realised like where he is and what he's been put through, and it's time to I, go. I, I think even even for me, I think he'll smile first. Just he'll smile at. I'm okay. I'm here. I'm alive. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I can. I can see it. I can. Because he's it. a very positive, optimistic person like that. And then he'll be like, "Right, now let's on with the job." Hmm. Although I wonder if maybe he doesn't. If I mean it, it, that may be how it goes down. But I'm wondering what if it doesn't at first. What if he is kind of angry? But he uh, has what to. If he saves the smile till he's won. But he has to. But that's the thing. He has to regain his upbeat self to to win 
Like, because he realises that if he just keeps going down the angry path, he's already lost, basically. Because mm. that's going down the dark path that Doppelkoop's already went down, essentially. So, yeah. Uh, but no, fascinating, fascinating stuff. No, I, I do think that scene is one that easily people could go, oh, nothing happens, it's boring. But, yeah. oh man, if you, if you listen to you know, honestly, like, oh, what's on the TV. Honestly, it may be my favourite scene of the episode. It was the one, I mean, it's debatable. I mean, obviously there's our contenders, but I sat up and went, oh... Because well, obviously at first I heard the dying, I heard the static noise, and then it was when I noticed it was on a loop, I'm like, oh, that's on a loop. But then of course, when was the last time you heard something on a loop? It was, this is the water, and this is the well. Yeah. Drink deep and descend. The horse is the white of the eye. Uh, yeah, and, and, and obviously playing into the idea that maybe that was Sarah Palmer, maybe she's obsessed with things on a loop. She's, you know, like, because... Hmm. You know, she, she's just sitting there and this is on a loop, like, it's coming back to her for whatever reason. And again, it's it's it's, it's broadcast. It's something it is you broadcast. You yeah, radio now TV. Yeah, and I, I mean, I can't be saying, but it's a, it's a it's a loop like that. You you've got to think it's a, you know analog broadcast, not digital. Which is weird. Like, I mean, it we, is strange. I mean, I, most places don't even have analog broadcasts anymore. No, but it looked more like an analog broadcast because you know, like the, with the the loop, the static. It felt more like an analog broadcast to me. It, it, no, it did. Um, which, by the way, uh, did you notice the size of this TV? Uh, yeah, yeah, it's a bit big. It was. I, I just thought it was funny. We had that really massive TV in the the layer, yeah. and then this was like. I mean, I don't know. This wasn't as stupidly big, but it was it big was, for one person in that room sitting that close. Yeah, it looked like it was like seventy, eighty inches. Yeah. It was it was it was in the wide shot because I mean it's just a shot of TV that really noticed how big it was, but it was when it was the wide shot and you could see the edge of it compared to her. It was like oh shit, that's like five foot tall. Like what the hell? Yeah, yeah. For, for the room, it was quite big. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, I would say not a TV that size, but I just I, I just thought that was another interesting. Yeah, and it, it I think it is strange because Sarah Palmer doesn't seem the type of person who cares about having a big TV, especially if she's watching these shitty old boxing matches. You think no, she'll, a, a little CRT would probably do. Her. That's more what you'd expect, isn't it? Yeah, like a, a really old thing. And I'm thinking, I'm just, I'm thinking about it now. Like, so we have, have the big TV in the, and the, you know, the, I don't know what the gang's called, but you know, gang HQ. Yeah. HQ. Yeah, in Montana, All right? Yeah. And then you have her having this big TV, and then I'm like, the only other time I can think of a screen this ep- this season really is in episode eight with the projector with the the giant. And I, and I don't think it's necessarily saying they mean it i just think it's a thematic thing of people watching no, no, the events unfold there's also in the in the glass box ah cameras you're right yeah but again watching things unfold like just sitting and waiting for things to happen and all this kind of makes sense thematically when you think about it because like if we're talking about the the beings using energy and energy being used to tra- traverse you know what is broadcast what is video and audio if not just manipulation of energy really right of course so, uh, like, it all kind of ties in thematically in a really fun way. So mm. that's that's nice. Um, but yeah, it was a great scene. Lot, 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 I, lot I, of... I agree, but I feel like people will be people like, oh, will. But kids. there was a lot of good foreshadowing in this. Yeah, and then, then you compare it to the looping of the episode eight. Oh, genius stuff here! Um, all right, so then we cut to Audrey, and much like the Jacoby scene, I sort of went, "Oh no, don't don't, don't <laughs> do this." Which, to me. How are we at a point where the second time we've seen Audrey in this show and we're like, ugh. 
How did that happen? Let me counter that though with, by the end of the second scene with Audrey, I went, last week's makes more sense to me now. Or not, yeah, more, yeah. not, not more sense, but... Had more purpose. Uh, more purpose and is more interesting. And now at the end of this scene, I'm looking forward to more scenes with Audrey. Yeah. That is a flip. That is a hell of a flip. And Definitely. obviously, I feel like these two scenes should have been in the same episode. Potentially, yeah. Pot- potentially. Maybe I have the other one at the start of an episode and then have this yeah, at the it, end. Yeah, it feels like mid and an end episode rather than two separate episodes to me. So then you wouldn't have that feeling over a week. But I think that's intentional, though. I, 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 think, I think Lynch wanted us to have that scene and I'll be like, what the hell was that? What, what, you know, what, what was the purpose of that? Mm. And there's... You know, and we saw it on the internet. Everyone was pissed off. Everyone thought, "Oh, but we waited all season yeah. for Audrey, and that's what we get." And we gave him the benefit of the doubt to a point. We said, "Okay, it wasn't. You know, it was disappointing." We didn't enjoy it at the time, but we we were we acknowledged that it might be improved. I mean, I'd said probably. I'd have said probably be improved. I, you know, like I expect yeah. it from. Um, and sure enough, no. Admittedly, we don't have the full picture yet. But this 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 scene it already has me going. Oh, this means more than what it just was on the surface last week. There's more to yeah. it, um, and I have now I have like speculation here now as to what's going on with her, and it's not at all about the names she was saying, even though they might represent something. Like, so I'll break into it. So she she's still there. She's still she's got her coat off, but she's still wearing the same clothes. So it's very much feels like the same night as the last episode, which is you know that's maybe even implies that some stuff in Twin Peaks isn't. Running as fast as everywhere else. Yeah, it, it definitely these Audrey scenes are both in the same night. They absolutely are. There's not Certainly, a because there's the, the bit where he says, oh, shouldn't you be going to the roadhouse to look for Billy? So, yeah. you know, implies it's not long after we saw the last scene. Yes, and she's still wearing the same clothes, um, and she's still saying, oh, what did she say? So that's, that's how we start. We start with how we ended last week, where she's like, what did she say? You're not going to tell me what she said on the phone, tell me what she said. Yeah. That's how we start. And then she gets kind of kind of emotional, uh, and she, and it, it, again, I feel like I'm somewhere else, and that I'm somebody else. Yeah. Nah. And, and of course, immediately we're like, "Oh my god, that sounds like Cooper." Uh, <laughs> you know, like it sounds like Cooper stuff. It sounds like, or maybe even she's like Jerry, where she's feeling yeah, someone the else. stuff that we've been going on about. Right. So, so, so you have that right away, and then she says, "I'm not sure who I am, but I'm not me." Yeah. And the funny thing is, a lot of people said from last week that, oh, it's, it's kind of shit she's like this. It feels like she's became kind of a bitch. Like she's not, not, and it's like, well, she's kind of bringing this up. It's like she's kind of aware she's not really who she's supposed to be. Um, and then so things get really interesting. She's like, she doesn't remember that she wanted to go out to the roadhouse. And then when he, you know, when Charlie reminds her, you want to go to the roadhouse to, to see if Billy was there, she's like, oh, yeah, where's the roadhouse? She can't remember yeah. where the roadhouse is. It's very strange. And I had two things immediately spring to mind as possibilities. This scene, and the way she's been with Charlie, I'm like, is this actually not her husband? Is is he just saying that to make it feel easier? But he's actually like a therapist, and this is like some sort of therapy because she's like this, you know, whatever this yeah. is. And then, then I had the wackier idea, like, is she still in a coma? And this is all in her head. Okay. And part of why I said I, I I was still sort of thinking that is after that in the scene, um, he he says to her, "You're going to stop playing games, or do I have to end your story too?" Um, which I thought was very intimidating. 
So you mm. know what? Say it's not a coma. If it's real and they're actually in a house, and like that sounds intimidating. Like he's controlling her it's, in some it's, way. It's very threatening, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, and then she says, "What story is that? Is that the story of the little girl who lives down the lane?" Mm. I have no idea what that means, but it sounds good. It <laughs> and does. I'm sure I'm sure it has meaning. I can't gleam yet, but it sounds good. Oh. Mid scene. I usually try and split the pages at the end of a scene, but unfortunately, sometimes it just runs longer than you expect. It does. Um, and then she's like, it's, it's like she's like of two minds because she says, "I want to stay and I want to go. I want to do both." And that's when I was starting to feel like, is she trapped? Like whether it's a coma or whether it's real life, right? It feels like she's trapped and she can't leave, which is why I was kind of leaning towards maybe coma because it's like this is a representation to her and she's not really sure what's going on. Right. She's forgetting things and all these kind of things. And it seems like, okay, she wants to leave. So let's go to the roadhouse. She puts on her coat in the last episode there. We need to go. And then this one, it's like, oh, yeah, I was going to the roadhouse. I should leave. You know, it, it kind of reminds me of like a dreamlike state where you're, you're trying to do something, but for some reason you keep not doing it. Yeah, and it plays into this idea. You know, like in a dream where you don't really know how you get places. You're just there. And it feels yeah. like this scene, it just starts almost where we picked up last time, but it's and definitely it, not right where we picked yeah, up. Yeah, it's a different room. Say, so it's in the living room this time. Right, exactly. To... But it's almost exactly the same as what we ended on. Yeah, so... And that, that's... That, I don't know. If not a coma, is this just a dream, perhaps, of Audrey's? Mm. Um, or, or she is in a coma? And, uh, but all of a sudden, like last week... Because now I'm thinking about all these names, and I'm like... And admittedly, he did bring up a truck being taken, and maybe that was like a, like a red herring to make us think it was, you know, because we had a truck being stolen before. I mean, there's also, don't forget... People, like, you know, there's the thing like, when people are in comas, they can still hear things and process things. Yeah, maybe she heard a, so something. So yeah. people, they wouldn't feel the need to not talk around her if she's in a coma. People might just mention things. This, these sorts of things would probably be town. You know, Billy going missing is probably town gossip. And I mean, Ben never. I mean, he mentioned that Rich never had a father. He never mentioned anything about a mother. But like, th- did he technically not have a mother either because his mother was. You know, yeah, and it would sleep. make sense as you know, you know, like maybe he was raised by the the grandparents. Yeah. Um, so I think I think that's that's fascinating, and then like it makes me wonder about all those names last week. You know, Which, Billy and Tina and just to just to go back to it on that point, it makes it you know obviously uh, Truman went to went to Ben. He didn't go to Audrey to say your son. That's has true. Done this. Yeah. Which I think I think to us at the time implied she didn't live there. I think at the time that was right. maybe the obvious assumption to make is she didn't live in Twin Peaks anymore, so he went to the closest living relative that he could talk to. Yeah, and also uh, I was going okay, he and he wanted Ben to pay for the treatment. You know, he wanted to yeah. try and get that. You justified so like, okay, it. Okay, you ju- you justified it to yourself. Right, exactly. But why wouldn't he go to Audrey? Why wouldn't he tell her if she's in Twin Peaks? Yeah, which this seems to allude that she is. Interesting stuff. But like I say, the names Tina and. I can't remember the third name because there was the one who told her about uh, Tina the being the last yeah. one to see Billy. But all these names, like, who do they represent? If they if they aren't real, do they represent people that we know? Yeah. Like, if she's like she like, he can't. So Billy is presumably Cooper. P- possibly, He's the one that's yeah. Missing. But like, who should try to talk? like? She, her and Tina don't get along, and like he phones Tina, and if her husband's there, she can't speak. Yeah. And it's, and I'm like, who, who does that? Who does that possibly relate to? And I'm like, 
you know, is Tina representing Annie because that was the second love interest? Maybe right. that's a bit of a stretch. It's, it's, I don't know. Obviously, if if Billy is Cooper, that's the only logical one I can get to straight off because you know someone's missing. Yeah. Then the person, you know, the last one to see him alive would be Major Briggs. Yeah, you know, and that that was you know the last person who saw him. That that was what she was told. Right. Was it Briggs? No, no, no. But we know. The last person that saw Cooper before he left Twin Peaks was Briggs. You know, they had that meeting. Oh, but that wasn't Cooper Cooper, though. That, the last person to see Cooper was, oh, was right. Harry. Cooper, Cooper. Yeah, you're right. Cooper Cooper was Harry. Before he went into the lodge. That's a good point. That's a very good point. But it feels weird to have Tina represent <laughs> Harry. It does. I, I, would, I would imagine it would be... Uh, because Annie was in the lodge with him, so she's seen him last technically. Yeah, and like you say, they don't get along, so it makes it they had a bit of a rivalry. Even though they never really interacted in the original show. No, no, just, but just in yeah. the sense of a rivalry over Cooper in that sense. But then who's the husband then? I don't know. But then again, what wasn't wasn't the whole thing at the end of season two about uh, he was picking his queen? Windermere was, yeah. Yeah, so is Windermere the, the husband? If he's there, she can't talk. Yeah, but that, that doesn't make sense, does it, to bring Windermull into this? It doesn't. That, that feels like a rabbit hole. I still like the idea that these names represent someone. I just can't quite place who they actually represent. Yeah, same. And then again, this is all assuming that she has in a coma, and this is all a dream in her head. Which, which feels like a... It's, it's got a reasonable shot of that being the case. Yeah, I, I feel like this scene kind of gave us that idea. Um, the final thing of interest she said before the end of the scene, she was, you know, she was visibly, visibly upset, and she says, it's like Ghostwood uh, here. Yeah. Do we, know, do we know Ghostwood? Is Ghostwood a thing? Not that I'm aware of. I'm going to, do you know what, I'm just going to Google Ghostwood Twin Peaks. Just, just in case just it's, in case it's something we, we forgot about. Yeah, uh, I don't recall it. So, apologies but... for the live uh, fact-checking. Uh, oh, wait, we do have something. Oh, hold okay. on. Hold on. The Ghostwood development project was a plan originally spearheaded by Benjamin Horn. Oh, yeah, the Ghostwood National Forest. Oh, um, he was okay. trying to save the forest to. Uh, that was that. Get the you know get the land back and the the. I the, think we were kind of. Back. Yeah. But that never meant a whole lot. You At know, the it was time, just, no, it was, it was just, just that forest. was his plan. Yeah. But it's like Ghostwood in here. Hmm. So she's saying it's like you know it's like. like this this plan, this subterfuge, cover up. Because that's kind of what that was, wasn't it? It was it was a a, a public front to to hide your own means, almost. Yeah, is that what? Yes, yeah, that's what she means. It's almost like everything they're talking about is not really what it's about, and she's acknowledging which would, that. Which would go into this whole thing, you know, like none of this is real. Not what what she's seeing. None of it's actually what it is. It's all just a public face, a, a perception. So that would really reinforce the coma and all those names representing other people. Yeah, and of course the fact that we actually have a Billy that's it was at least presented as missing at one point in the real show again, either a red herring or like you say, she's overheard something and people in comas pick things up. Yeah. Um, and it's, in, it's interesting. It, it suddenly makes her scenes far more fascinating. Um, and I kind of respect 
holding it off until this far in because if it is a coma and we find that out you know towards the end of the season and her waking up's maybe a, maybe a thing in the, the finale or whatever like this would have been really te- this would have been like worse than Doctor Amp if we'd had this all se- unless, unless there was more to do with it unless Lynch had some grand idea for all yeah, these yeah if we'd coma been adventures. teasing you know like half a scene here half a scene there yeah if, if they'd been if we'd have an Audrey scenes every other episode since the start this would have felt drawn out so I actually kind of respect that it's not that even this late in, we're getting new ideas and new interesting... Because we never got any FBI scenes this week, so we focused on a lot of other stuff, and yeah. uh, here we are. Uh, we never had Cooper last week either, admittedly, so I guess, you know, this this episode we got a lot of Cooper and we got a lot of, we got a lot of Peaks and Bobby and stuff. Then we go to the Roadhouse, uh, which we already spoke about, James, yep. you and I. <sighs> a, a lady friend, who I assume already knows him, very emotionally affected by it. Uh, I think her name might be Renee... Uh, I, I caught a Renee in the, the credits, but I mean, I'm just guessing, really. Uh, but we had one more scene because we actually. This was the weird thing about the scene is that it finished the performance and then cut. Yeah, to because scene. we had to. He, Lynch wanted to make sure everyone watched that whole damn song. Didn't want <laughs> anyone going. Oh, credits are here. I can turn it off. And we cut to Big Ed's gas farm, and Big Ed is just sitting there and he's he's drinking some soup. He's got some to go soup from the uh, the double R. You see the logo mm-hmm. in the cup, and. I want to point out here. Did you notice this thing on his desk? On his desk? No. There was like a. There was like a, a bear thing. I don't know if it was like a key holder or something like that, or if it was just an ornament. But right, it was a bear thing. But there was a little slogan at the bottom, which oh. I think again is a little meta message from Lynch to the fans. It said, "Bear with me." <laughs> very good. Um, but he's, he's just. He's, he's sitting drinking soup on his own. It's very quiet. There's no music. It's very... You feel the loneliness of it. And I think it, it actually parallels nicely because earlier on in the episode, he said to Bobby, oh, there's no sense in eating alone. And he makes sure Bobby has someone to eat with. And then we yeah. see him here eating his soup just sort of on his own. Alone, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's dead silent because we keep seeing him look out the window and nothing's out there. I mean, it, you can see cars are going past on the road, but yeah, there's no he, one in sight. Yeah, you hear the odd car every once in a while. And I think, again, it's this idea of the sadness in Twin Peaks, that even though he's still a good person and he's still friendly with the other people when he's around them, there is this sadness. And obviously, he clearly still has feelings for uh, for Norma. Like, he obviously yeah. does. Uh, is he with, still, still with Nadine? I'm not sure. They've not really shown us anything to sport yeah, with. I'm assuming not, just because we haven't seen them together, we haven't heard anything of them together, no one's mentioned anything. But then again, why is he not with Norma then? If, if Maybe that's the reason why they never got together it could we... be or maybe just something went wrong things maybe. didn't line up you, you just don't know do you very possible very possible but then maybe we always see her working late at her job she's got her, her drape runners he's got his <laughs> he's you know his right place. but you say working late the place is closed okay sure but the idea that they both spend time at their work alone maybe shows their their current state of mind yeah that said, she's quite optimistic because she's watching Doctor Amp, like some weirdo. But otherwise, um, yeah. So, so that was it. Silence, and then I, I just noted the credits play over him sitting there silently. The one thing he does of note though is he he uh, he lights a, a match and burns the matchbook that he's uh, he's playing yeah. with. And obviously, I don't think there's a super amount there other than you know fire, fire walk with me. Uh, maybe the idea that you know stuff is a coming kind of thing. Um, yeah. So. No, uh, good stuff. One final point. I-, I can't take credit for this one. I did see this on Reddit because, of course, Reddit points out these things. You know how Garmin Bosia is like this yellow puke stuff they throw up? Yeah. Um. 
someone spotted that like four different characters in the wrist were eating various versions of yellow sort of sludgy looking food. He's eating the soup here. Um, I did actually notice this myself. Sarah Palmer had like a bowl of something. Uh, I noticed one in the diner. It was uh, someone had a bowl. I think that was Ed's dinner. Like when Norma. I think it might out. have been Ed's. Yeah. And then I think it was one of the detectives were eating like super something at their desk. Like at the start of their scene. Mm. Uh, I don't know if it means anything, but just symbolic, thematic stuff keeps popping up. Again, it's one of these things where there's a, there's a conscious choice of what you put on that table. You you could say, oh, it's nothing, but they have to choose what goes on it. Yeah, so, so. Had, a, had a lot of cherry pies in this, had a lot of yellow food in this, had, a, had big TVs, <laughs> a lot of themes yeah. going on here. Weird themes to be having, but themes nonetheless. Yeah. Um, but no, it was a good episode. It was a solid episode, especially once you really look into a couple of the scenes. I think, I, I think, the Sarah scene almost feels like nothing happens at the first glance, and then the Audrey scene you might be dreading based on the last scene. With yeah, that, I think her. I think it's really easy to write off ch- large chunks of this episode because you go, oh, Sarah Palmer, nothing happened. Oh, Audrey still means nothing to a lot. Of, I'm sure a lot of people will see it that way. Yeah, but they're wrong. They are wrong. If you actually think about it, if you if you really think about the information that's been presented to you, you're, I think there's a lot of foreshadowing and a lot of there's a lot of we're heading towards the third act kind of feeling in this episode. If you're looking for it, yeah, that's it. I think that's the thing with this. You, you do have to think about it to get enjoyment out of it. You can't just watch it and tune out because Which... like, then you'll then you'll have three minutes of watching Sarah Palmer walk up and down a room. Exactly, which which makes it for me a lot more rewarding because I feel like I'm in a weird way, earning my my intake of knowledge. Yeah. Because I'm engaging with it. I'm actually... It's only giving me the pieces I have to put them together myself, and that makes it feel like I'm... It's, it's, it's more enjoyable because, like I say, it's that sense of engagement. Because yeah. you are forced to engage... I say forced, but, you know, like, you have to do it if you want to get that enjoyment. It, it, it immediately, it puts you more... Uh, you're more into the show just because you're consciously thinking. You're not just putting it on. By the way, how many... How many comments do you want to bet we've got telling us what Ghostwood was? Because they typed a comment just before I said, let me look it up. Aye, uh, there'll be at least three. Aye, and we'll see how many of them go back and say, oh, no, I got to the later part. Uh, you didn't need me to tell you. No, I'm just going to leave it. Or, or just delete it. Go, oops, don't need that. Yeah, FYI, if you delete your comments, we can still see them. <laughs> just know that. Just know it. Yes, you, you, you'll go on a list. <laughs> Uh, so there you go that's episode 13 of Twin Peaks we have 5 left it is exciting and scary to be so close to the end but uh, let us know what you thought of the episode in the comments below like, subscribe, all that stuff get us on Twitter at mailed underscore fudge for channel updates if you want to support the channel and everything we do here uh, head over to patreon.com slash TV and you can do that over there but otherwise guys that is us so thank you very much once again we'll see you next time have you got any vanilla for you and I